Hi, this is Jim Lyon, and you're listening to Viewpoint. Viewpoint just now in a series called Real Life. Sometimes we like to think of life as an easy street, as a kind of a cruise, a vacation, but all of us know deep down inside that it's never that easy, that real life can be complicated and tough. When I was growing up, much of my life revolved around school, and I think that's true for most of you listening today, too. School can be so important in the way in which we see ourselves and prepare for our future. And today, in this series on real life, we have someone who has spent her life in a classroom, teaching, investing her life, and pouring into students, children. And I promise you, today in a public school, there's real life. When you come back, you're going to meet Angie Keelish, one of the brightest and best. Stay with us. Our guest today on Viewpoint is Angie Keelish. She is a teacher in the Anderson Community School System here in central Indiana, where we live. Angie, thanks for being with us. Oh, you're more than welcome. How long have you been teaching in the public schools? Oh, goodness. I've had a real contract since uh, August of 93, but I was starting my fifth year subbing when they finally gave me a real job, as I call it. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, I mean, you've spent your adult life then because you're a pretty young gal still. You've spent your adult life working in a classroom. Give me some sense of where you've been in the school system, because I know you've had different assignments, different grades. Well, we have this kooky thing called bumping system. So when I first started out, I got bumped around a lot. Um, And that's kind of a seniority system. Yes, absolutely, through our union per the master contract. So I've taught every grade at the elementary level except second. Okay. Uh, I've been in the elementary schools. I've been in the middle school, and I currently teach in a high school. So I do not have licensure for kindergarten, and I'm grateful for that. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're not going there. (laughs) All right, well, in all of those stations, what would you say is one of your favorites? Not necessarily the favorite, but what did you really enjoy? Oh, I spent seven years doing fifth grade, and I absolutely love fifth graders. Fifth grade and sixth grade are probably my two favorites. What is it about that age group that appeals to you? Third grade's a little young, and then fourth grade's kind of the turning point where they start to kind of come into more autonomy and being a lot more independent in the classroom. So by fifth grade, they get your jokes, they tell jokes, (laughs) and, you know, you can be as cornball as you want, but they absolutely love it. But they do respond and they want to work and they're still eager to learn. The interactive capacity of a fifth grader is your sweet spot. You're liking it. I get that. (laughs) And what are you teaching right now? I am an ENL teacher at uh, the high school, ENL meaning means. English as a new language. So I work with all the foreign students who are trying to acquire English. And give us a sampling of here in central Indiana. I mean, this is a part of the heartland of the country. What kind of language communities appear in your classroom? This year, I think I had eight different languages represented or eight different countries even. A couple years ago, had 10 different languages, which, you know, can range from anything of a huge Latino population. Vietnamese, I've had Mandarin Chinese, I've had Hindi and uh, Gujarati, I've had Punjabi, Thai, (laughs) German, Danish, (laughs) Portuguese. (laughs) And you're fluent in French, aren't you? (laughs) Uh, Pretty. I do pretty well in French. And I keep thinking, who's going to move here from Paris to Anderson, (laughs) Indiana? You're you're ready for them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, what drew you to teaching in the first place? I mean, you didn't grow up in a classroom. I know you went to school, but you grew up in rural Indiana, didn't you? I did. I grew up on a hog farm northeast of Elwood. Uh, here in Madison County. So I've lived in Madison County my whole life. Which is a northeast side of the Indianapolis metro. Yeah. And Elwood's a little burg out in the far reaches of the county. Yeah. A hog farm where they grew pigs. 
Yes, and we also raised corn, beans, and wheat. So we did the whole gamut. You know, we had uh, hogs from farrow to finish. And you know what? That was a big classroom for me. You saw a lot of life on a farm. You saw, you know, plants that would start from seedlings that you put out in the corn planter until the time you harvest. And you would see everything that, you know, God would bring to you that you've worked for or you're at the mercy of the weather or however things fall. So that was a huge classroom for me. But I always loved learning. So that's why I think I really fell in love with school and always wanted to be a teacher. And so here you are. And when we come back, I want to talk to you about some of the challenges in the classroom, because even in the years you've taught, I'm sure you've seen the student population change, the way in which they interact with an authority figure like a teacher, the way in which people have content and curricula has had to adapt to a whole new world order. Think about the invention of the internet just in your teaching career. Oh, absolutely. There are so many things that have been challenges. So when we come back, we want to talk about real life today in a public school. Viewpoint today has as our guest Angie Keelis. She's a public school teacher. She's taught throughout the elementary grades and to middle school, today in high school, working with students who need English as a new language. And in all of those things, she's really observed what real life in a classroom can be like. What would you say, Angie, is one of your greatest challenges today? Well, I see a lot of students who just come and they really want school to be a social aspect versus trying to learn something you know, and when I was little, I was always thirsty for extra knowledge of some sort. And I have some students who have that intrinsic motivation to get rolling in the classroom and to really try to learn and buckle down and do things and others that want to just kind of play around. So that gets a little frustrating at times. And then the issue with discipline. Oh, my goodness. Some of these children are so disrespectful at times. And that's really a hard pill to swallow. Because, you know, had I been that disrespectful or even mouthed off to one of my teachers as a kid, you know, I had that set of parents that said, you get in trouble at school, you get it three times as bad when you get home, you know? And that's not the norm (laughs) these days. No. Many homes don't have any sense of discipline at home, and so there's none at school either. Well, and by me working with an older population now at the high school level, you know, I've got to worry about some of my students turning up pregnant or having someone else, you know, have their baby, you know, so them being a father possibly. So they've got young parents as well, and that makes it difficult because a lot of times that parent is not home. I have students who have parents who work two and three jobs just to make ends meet, and, you know, it's just really tough because they don't have that guidance at home. And then especially when it's a language barrier, that makes it harder too. And so without that platform at home, really working in partnership with the classroom, it makes your job all the more difficult, I'm going to guess. Right. But I do have a liaison who is Honduran. She is fluent in Spanish. So she is a fabulous sidekick to me because we make wonderful partners in crime. She, I hug her nearly every day and say, I could not do this job without you. Can you think of an illustration, a particular case or instance that you can share that really tested your limits, that really made you wonder, why am I doing this? Uh, what grade level do we want to do? <laughs> well, you choose one. <laughs> well, I, it's funny because I thought about this a lot from having been asked the other day to do this, and I thought, you know what? Even my first year of teaching, I had an instance where a little girl had flunked a test, and I sent the test home. I said, I need it signed by your parent. Well, It didn't come back the next day. I asked for it, and I was told, oh, I forgot. Okay, remember tomorrow or I'm making a phone call home. Well, the test came back, and it had the mother's signature 
hopefully you're picking up my sarcasm because I thought, this doesn't look right. And then when I compared it to the mother's signature, the real one, the little girl had misspelled the mom's name. So the forgery was flawed. Exactly. And I called her up and she was kind of shaking and thinking, oh my goodness, I just got busted. And I looked at her and I said, you forged your mom's name. Well, no, I didn't. Yes, you did. So I'm going to put a piece of tape over it again, and you need to take it home and have your mom really sign it. And then as she started to walk away, I pulled her back up to my clap or to my desk, and I said, okay. And one more clue. I said, the next time you forge your mother's name, make sure you spell it right. And I winked at her, and she had stood there sobbing. I mean, just almost convulsive type crying. And it was funny because I called the mom later, and I said, please do not punish your child at home. She's put herself through enough here at school with me. I know she's truly remorseful. And I said, I don't think she'll ever do it again. And she didn't. And it was funny because years later, I saw her working at a nearby supermarket. And she remembered that. She said, you were so nice to me. Thank you. You know, well, but you have to show kids grace, you know. But there's an important marker right there. How to discipline with grace. How mm-hmm. to call the truth out and the best out with grace. It's no small achievement. Yeah. And you have to do that every day in a classroom. Yeah. That's my guess. And also what you've just acknowledged is an event like that in a young child's life has lifetime repercussions. So sure. as an adult woman at the supermarket, she remembers that. Mm-hmm. It truly was impressed upon her. There's a way forward even when you drop the ball. Absolutely. And how does that make you feel? As a teacher. Well, it made me feel good because I thought, you know, here I'm leaving some sort of a legacy. You know, I don't have that precious gift of having my own family. So, you know, I try to make a good impact on the kids that I do come in contact with. And I think that's really important to me because I've always had a love for children anyway since I was a small kid and even growing up going to weddings and graduations, things like that. Kids were always drawn to me and play with the babies and this and that. And, you know, school just felt like a natural place for me. Would you recommend to someone right now who's listening, who's trying to figure out their next career move or maybe how to prepare themselves for a lifetime in a career, would you recommend teaching? (laughs) That's kind of a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how so? Well, there are so many things that bureaucratically right now are so disappointing, and it's a really tough battle on a daily basis at times. You know, constantly people doing crazy things in the media that we see, you know, teachers that are inappropriately doing things to Some other black children. Eyes and, to the profession. Yes. And it makes it look like we're not professional, you know, like even having someone walk up to your door and expecting you to drop everything you're doing at that point in time and to have a parent teacher conference with you, or maybe not even to really have a conference. They're just there to chew you out yes. and they expect you to take it right there in front of all your kids And that makes it kind of hard, you know? It's not an easy road. No. But I think if someone truly loves the educational process and they really, to me, you really have to love people because you have to know that there are so many different walks of life that come through your door. And I've worked in very high poverty schools before. One of my years, I had students that I would leave pretty much on a daily basis or even just lay my head down at the end of the day and cry because I thought... I didn't know how some of them were going to eat that night, what type of bed they were sleeping in or things like that. Your heart was for them and you were exposed to the human drama of their lives yeah. at home. Yes. And, you yeah. know, even having one parent that had his children work as a gang within their own family against each other and things like that are really tough, you know. And then even just a few years ago, I worked as an administrator for a couple of years. 
And I had a lady who had gotten really nasty with me on the phone, had kind of cussed me out, and I did hang up on her. And uh, later she showed up for a function that we had that uh, week at my school, and she asked me for help filling out a form. And I thought, you know, it really takes a lot of inner strength for someone to look you in the face and tell you, hey, I need help. I'm illiterate. She didn't know how to read or write. And I took a deep breath and I just started praying immediately. I thought, okay, Lord, I just really want to let her have it because this is the same one that was so nasty to me on the phone the other day. And I looked at her, I took a deep breath and said, I would be more than happy to help you. So we got started and I looked at her and I stopped and I said, do you realize I'm the same person that you cussed out the other day on the phone and threatened to do bodily harm to? And she looked at me and was just startled. And she said, oh, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. Uh, Something about my medicine or whatever. And I thought, you know what? Again, you have to show people grace. Right. Grace, not just to the students, but to their families. Absolutely. And you have to let your kids see your human side. You know, my, my students have seen me apologize to them publicly, too, if I've done something wrong or, you know, misspoken about something having been done in the classroom and thought I accused someone else, you know, of doing it when it was really truly someone else. I've done it as a public display of, hey, I'm sorry, because they need to see an adult do that, too. They need to know they're important. And I'm hearing you say then that it's not an easy road teaching these days. But if you love learning and you can love people and you understand grace, (laughs) it's really can make a difference. I believe so. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about that grace because you've already populated the conversation, Angie, with a sense of spiritual framing. There's something at work in you that's empowering you to meet the test. I'm 
Kielish has been teaching for some years in public school. It's not always an easy forum. But Angie, I know that you love the children that walk into your classroom. And you've learned to love their parents too, even when they're sometimes hard to bear. You've already shared some stories where you've had to have wisdom, almost supernaturally Solomon-like wisdom, to deal with a child forging a mother's name or to deal with a mom who may be very angry with you one day and then begging for your help the next. I mean, what's going on inside of you? You're a person of faith. How does that impact your profession? Well, I just think of years ago, even growing up in the church and hearing how much Jesus loved the kids. And I thought, you know what? I have that same love for children too, which, you know, has been kind of a double-edged sword for me, like I said, you know, of not having my own family or my own children to raise. But I think, you know, I can help someone else out who maybe is not as adept at having those social skills to probably do the job really well by themselves. You know, everyone uses that adage, it takes a village. It really truly does, you know, and those of us at school who are there for the right reasons really do want to have an impact on children's lives and help those parents raise those kids, whether it's a single parent or a set of one parent and then uh, step parents or however it pans out for that to be that we do want to truly help. And as you think about that journey uh, in your faith into a classroom, is there a particular passage in Scripture that is for you an anchor? It's maybe a, a rock that you stand on when you have to face something that otherwise you just want to throw your hands up and wonder what to do next. Well, it's funny. When I was in college, I had started out as a computer science major and was miserable. And a friend of mine in one of my Bible studies said, you really need to pray about this and think of what God wants you to do. And I did, and it was like Jesus was sitting in my bed telling me, you've wanted to be a teacher since you were six years old. That's where I want you. And a verse that, or two verses that have been with me the whole time have been Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And uh, that passage of Scripture reads like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will direct your paths. Are you telling me that works for you? Yes, very much so. <laughs> because even as you were in college trying to figure out life, you had this, this clear answer. You were seeking the Lord's wisdom for your life, and you felt a profound calling to teaching, and here you are. Yeah. 
And when you're wrestling with a child or a parent, I'm going to guess you have to seek his wisdom and understanding beyond yourself. Yeah. Well, it's funny, too, is because growing up, you know, I had I'm the oldest of three girls. So my two sisters and I always wanted to. Well, I always wanted to play school. They would probably go. Yeah, she was the only one that wanted to play school. And I would write out their assignments and grade things and keep a grade book. And I even had my. Uh, little books that I bought from the Scholastic Book Club over in shoe boxes and sure. lined up with index cards and made them check out my books. Yes. So, you know, kind of my sisters kind of get their digs in nowadays going, well, she always had to be the teacher. <laughs> but I think back to being in kindergarten and how much I loved school. And there was an incident at recess one time where I asked my teacher for help and she didn't help me. And it was an issue with a couple of girls being a bully toward me and another student And I was so disappointed. And I had to wear a tattletale. And she physically pinned something that was about three feet long to my back side, made me wear it down the hall to go get cookies and milk. And then later at the day, at the end of the day, had the goal to set me up on her lap and rock me back and forth. I was bawling hysterically Mm -hmm. because all I could think in my head was, I hate you. I hate you. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. She's saying, oh, Angela, I love you. And I can't believe you did this. And I thought I didn't. And I was crying, just sobbing, telling her I didn't do anything wrong. I asked you for help. And I brought that story up probably about five years ago. And my youngest sister said, Ange, that really made a huge impact on you for you to still remember that. And I said, I have never forgotten how that lady made me feel. And I said, I never want to do that to a student. You've talked a lot about grace. What does that mean to you? Well, I need to be a big person and make sure I've forgiven that lady. (laughs) I have no (laughs) clue where she is, if she's still alive or anything else. But, you know, she just probably wasn't as smart as she needed to be that day for me. Right. And grace is about receiving it and extending it. Mm -hmm. What would you say to someone today who is struggling with that memory of a teacher that harmed them? They felt wronged by a teacher. And, you know, those do have powerful impacts on us going forward. What would you say to that person today? Well, and sometimes even when I mess up in the classroom right today, I have to look at my students and say, look, I'm human too. For years, being an elementary teacher, the kids would see me at the grocery store. Hey, Miss Kay, what are you doing here? (laughs) And I'd say, what are you doing here? Well, getting groceries. So am I. I mean, they don't realize you're still a normal person person like they are. They just are so used to seeing you in the classroom. So you have to think all of us come with our own baggage too Yes. sometimes. And as a teacher, I've tried to tell myself and even young teachers that I've had as student teachers, you need to remember sometimes you may be the best thing that that student sees all day. Because in an awake time of the day, I see students more hours than their parents do. So I need to try to have some sort of a good impact on them while I'm there. But back to your question, I'm thinking, you know what? Just just remember that teachers are humans too. And as a teacher, you have to remember you're a human too. You're not superhuman, and you're not expected to be perfect. So show yourself a little grace too. And in the end, there's going to be a classroom (laughs) of students who walk out into a new grade year or into a new world. And you did spend time with them more than their own families may have done. And that impact can never be underestimated. Do you think that Jesus is with you when you walk into a classroom? Oh, absolutely. How so? Well, I think on the days that I have something really big that happens, you know, such as a student coming to me saying, hey, I'm pregnant, or I've had this or this happen, you know, you just, 
you just find yourself stopping in your tracks immediately praying, thinking, okay, what do I say? What do I do? Because sometimes I don't have any clue what's going to come out of my mouth. And I, I have to ask for help. So sometimes it just comes out and I think, whew, that sounded pretty good. Thank you, Jesus, because <laughs> right. that was not me. <laughs> I was anointed, as we say. But it's a little bit about living in the shadow of the Proverbs that we just read. Mm-hmm. When you let the Lord direct your path, when you trust Him, when you don't lean on your own understanding, He will make things right. Yes. Angie, thanks for being with us today. We're not sure where you are listening. We're not sure what your journey is. Maybe you're in a classroom or on your way. Maybe you teach. Maybe you're a student. Maybe you're just wrestling with life and you're not sure what to do next and you're thinking there are no answers. No, really there are. And you just need to understand what it means to allow God to come inside the classroom with you. You can take a step that way by joining us just now in prayer. Take a deep breath and know that God is listening as we pray. Our Father, we're so thankful today for the gift we have of learning, that you've given us minds that can take in more. Thank you for all the things there are to learn that are good and healthy and that advance not just our cause, but the common good. We're thankful for people who dedicate themselves to teaching. And we know, Lord, it's not always an easy road. We thank you, Lord, for knowing us exactly and having wisdom for us if we'll just stop and listen and learn ourselves from you. I pray, Lord, that everyone who's joined me in this prayer might in this moment just surrender once more into your hand, that we will acknowledge, Lord, that we do not have perfect wisdom or understanding, but that we must depend on you. We must trust in you. And I pray, Lord, that all of us who seek your wisdom, whether it be in a classroom or outside, whether it be at home or at work, on the road or just sitting still, that all of us who are seeking your wisdom will find. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about how you can understand God and how you can be in relationship to Him, just give us a call. Dial this number 1-800-757-8439. That's 1-800-757-VIEW. We're by the phone 24 hours a day and seven days a week. So glad to hear from you. You can also check us out online at our website, CBH, that's Christians Broadcasting Hope, cbhviewpoint.org. Read about the ministry there. You can also send us an email. We will reply. Or at the last, just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us up, go online, or use the post, please let us hear from you this week. And Angie, thanks for what you do day in and day out. No small thing. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. And if you're listening today, this is a chance for you to just stop and think, what teacher in my life do I need to send a note to and say thank you? Because all of us have had some who have really pushed us forward for the good. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, remember this. Jesus knows just who you are and where you are, and he stands by with wisdom to help you navigate this day. We hope you'll join us again next week as we continue our series called Real Life. Until then, stay tuned.